Well, today we are wrapping up the Parent Race series, and I hope that's been a great series for you. I hope that you've had discussion in your homes, maybe been challenged. Think about some things that you need to put into play as you keep guiding your family. I want to come back and rewind a little bit on the weeks. The first week, Pastor Dunham talked to us about using wisdom, and that we need to use wisdom as parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, anyone who's involved in having influence, because our time is short with these kids that God has given us. And in the next couple of weeks, Pastor Carter came, and he talked, first of all, about how we are passing on the baton of faith to our children. And then he also told us that God has given us supernatural strength to be able to run the race well. And I really enjoyed last weekend when he showed us the prayers that he prays every day for his children. And they were so good. If you haven't seen that out on Facebook, Instagram, I want to encourage you to go out there and grab that. I know I already have, and we're beginning to think through how we can pray for our kids. You know, the prayer race is such an important journey for us, the opportunity to have this influence. And for Sarah and I, when we began the parent race, we thought we were pretty prepared. You know, we had taken a class, literally took a class to learn how to be parents. You know, we read some books, we took notes, and then our sweet baby came. It was awesome in the hospital. When we brought her home and got her ready for bed, she began crying. And we were trying to figure out what to do. How can we get her to settle down? How can we get her to sleep? And she cried all night long. No kidding, all night. Man, I, I'll tell you what, honestly, it stressed me out so much, I almost threw up. I was like, man, are you kidding? This is the rest of my life? This is what this is going to be like? You know, the truth is, parents, uh, when this sweet bundle of joy that God gives us comes into our home, boom, the gun goes off, the race has begun, and uh, we're off. There's no turning back at this point. And you know it's true. If you can think back to those of you who are going, man, that's a long time ago, but I can still remember. I jumped in and I started smelling smells I never thought I'd smell. I started wiping things that I never thought I'd wipe, you know, and we know that the parent race, it's not a sprint. This is an endurance race. It's not going to take a little bit of energy. It's going to take everything you've got. You know, and when Sarah and I finally started hitting our stride, probably about 18 months, two years into the race with our firstborn, I remember this moment. It happened in our kitchen. Our sweet little girl was there in the high chair, and she was eating lunch. And uh, as she was eating lunch, she began to take some of her food and kind of drop it on the floor. And at first, this kind of amused me. It amused my wife, but then it didn't amuse us after a while. And I remember Sarah looking at her firmly in the eyes and saying, No, Gracie. And I remember Gracie looking her back square in the eye. In slow motion, taking her food and dropping it on the floor. And the look in her eyes said, everything, it was this, what you going to do about it, you know? I was like, oh man, we're in trouble. You know, and for you, maybe your children came through adoption. Maybe it was a blended family that brought your children into your home. 
You had a similar experience. It was that first time that they told you, you know what, I really don't have to listen to you because you're not my real mom. And you thought, wow, this is going to be a lot more complicated than I thought it was. Uh, That's true about the parenting journey. You know, it is complicated. It is challenging. And there's lots there. I want it to be clear if we haven't been in this series, because I think this is really important to say. There is no perfect formula for raising a kid. You know, it's not a one-size-fit-all. It's not just if you do A, B, and C, then all of a sudden you'll have this kid that's outstanding, that everyone's going to talk about how great they are. The truth is the parent race, it's difficult, it's challenging, it will require so much of us. But you know what, parents? God has asked us to run our leg of the race. That's what he's held us responsible for. And at some point in the race, we get to pass the baton off to our children, and then it's their turn. But I want you to think about this. As you're parenting, whether once again you would be a parent, if you're a grandparent, even you're an aunt and uncle, you have influence, I want to ask you this. Are you parenting or are you having influence in these kids' lives? Are you keeping the end goal in mind? I think that's important for us to consider. And maybe a better way even to say it is this. Are you raising children or are you raising adults? And I want to tell you the way that you answer that question will determine how you're going to run your race. Because if you're just raising children, then all you have to do is go in survival mode, right? You just got to keep them alive. And then one day they will leave your home. But if you're raising adults, then you have to raise the stakes. You have to parent with a little bit more strategy. So how do we keep the goal in mind? Well, I want to encourage you to think through a scripture. Because I think scripture helps us get these goals clear, defined. It helps us know where we're supposed to drive. And if you haven't latched onto a scripture to allow it to guide your parenting decisions, then I want to encourage you to consider this one. Here it is in Matthew chapter 6. It says this, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. I think this is a great passage for us as parents. Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount here. It's probably one of his most influential messages And he wants everyone that's following him to understand what is the priority. I mean, he urges his followers here to make sure that they're not chasing the things of this world, but rather they're chasing the things of God. When Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God, he's talking about the rule and reign of God. And so when he says this to us, if we bring this into our context as parents, we have to consider this. Are we really allowing God to have action in our lives? As parents, are we allowing his lordship to take place? Do we allow God to govern our parenting decisions? That's what this really comes down to when you talk about seeking his kingdom. 
It's seeking the rule and reign of God in your family, in your home. So I have to ask you this, how's it going? How's that going for you? Are you seeking and surrendering to God's leadership as parents? I mean, what would your kids say? Do they understand what the goal is? Do they know what the priority is? Could you right now list two or three things that you're doing in your family that would demonstrate to your kids that seeking God's kingdom, his rule and reign, is most important for your family? This is crucial for us as parents because if we're not first seeking his kingdom, we can't in turn teach our kids how to seek his kingdom. And here's the scary part too. Our kids know exactly where we stand on this. And one thing I've learned as a parent is you can't fake it. I mean, your kids watch. They're they're taking notes. They're observing the decisions you make as the leader of the home. And at some point, they want to know what's most important to you. And we as parents have an opportunity to influence their lives. But Jesus tells us this. Man, you got to seek. You got to seek his kingdom first. And he goes on, and you have to seek his righteousness. Now, Sarah said, Hey, Todd, I want you to know if we had a reality TV show, it would be called this The Hutch Family and Their Battle with Sin. Like, that's not a good reality show. I mean, who wants to watch that? That sounds weird. But oh, how true it is. You know, in our home, we battle sin. I don't know about your home, but it happens in our home. And we battle sin each and every day. Sarah and I battle sin. Our kids battle sin. And I think it's really important that we are willing to call sin, sin in our homes. That as we continue to guide and lead our children, that we help them understand there's not just behaviors that are a little bit off. Like, don't do that in front of others but that we'd really be willing to identify and call sin out so our kids would know what is right and what is wrong, what God desires and what God doesn't desire in our lives. And this is crucial in the world that we live in today. It's so important for us to do this. In our home, we've said this a thousand times. If you have bad fruit, it comes from a bad root. And we just identify this and help our kids understand. And as parents, we're not just interested in just the bad fruit in our kids' lives, the actions that they may have that we see and we go, we don't want our kids doing that. Because bad fruit is easy to correct, right? I mean, I can yell loud enough, I can get mean enough that my kids will actually do what I want them to do. But you know what? They're just taking care of the fruit, the actions that are above the surface. They're not digging in. And I want them to be able to dig in because we know as parents in our life, as Christ followers, that really the good work that's done is not just in managing our behaviors, but in allowing our heart to change, getting below the surface. You know, I want to encourage you to figure out what type of language you need to do to help your kids identify that there are things that are going on below the surface that are important internally 
that God is looking at and wanting to change and transform so the fruit in their life will be good. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12 here. He says, make a tree good and the fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and the fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. I want to tell you if you want to raise outstanding kids, kids who follow Christ, you've got to get below the surface. We can't just manage their behaviors. We can't just make sure that they do what we want them to do when they're in our sphere of influence, but their heart is being changed. It's being transformed so wherever they go, they look like someone who desires to live right. And then Jesus says this, once you do this, seek his kingdom first and then seek his righteousness, all these things will be given to you as well. Well, the question is, what are all these things that will be given to us? Well, if you go back and read in the Sermon on the Mount, particularly as Jesus is talking about this, what he's talking about is all the things of life, all these things that we need in life. Jesus is saying, your father, my father, he knows everything that you need, and so you don't have to worry. So what Jesus is saying here, when you start seeking his kingdom first, when you start seeking his righteousness, then you don't have to worry anymore because God will take care of everything else. And I want to tell you, as a parent, one of the things that you will become an expert in is worrying, right? It's easy to worry about our kids. I remember hearing parents say, you know, sometimes during the middle of the night, I just walk in the room of my, my child. I just want to make sure they're still breathing. I thought that was so weird. And then I had a kid. And I remember walking in just to see if they're okay, make sure that they were breathing. And then it just continues, doesn't it? Your kids come home from elementary school and you ask them, who did you sit by at lunch today? We want to make sure that they have friends around them and they're good friends. We, we worry about stuff like that. And, and it just continues. You know, we worry about them making the team. And then when they finally get a set of wheels, when they start driving, oh, that's a whole nother game too. And then you can't even go to sleep at night sometimes until they're home because you're worrying about their safety if they're okay. And for Sarah and I, we entered this new stage. This last January, we launched our oldest daughter, Gracie. She bought her first home. And I tell you, I was waiting for like the balloons to fall, confetti cannons. You know, I was like, this is probably the greatest moment ever. It was kind of anticlimactic. So if you're like rounding that, it, it may be anticlimactic for you in life too. Gracie went out. She got her first home. I was super excited for her. We did a lot of work trying to get it up where she could live in it, you know, and enjoy it. And then I remember last week when the tornado sirens went off, I was on the phone. You know, like a dad. I'm like, baby, do you hear the tornado sirens? You're now out mowing the yard, right? You know, I just want to make sure that you're doing the right things. We will always have this propensity to worry about our kids, but we need to go back to Matthew 6. We need to understand, man, if our kids are seeking God's kingdom, if they're seeking his righteousness, then we don't have to worry about them. God is watching over them. I want to continue to make this really practical. You know, as we kind of wrap up this series, I think it's important for us to have some things that we can hold on to, to have some things that we're working out in our home. I remember early on, Sarah and I starting to think through, uh, what do we really want? How do we reach that goal? 
Now, we wanted to have a great kid. Every parent wants to have a great kid. So what character traits would we need to build in them to have a great kid? And so we just asked this question. The question is, what character do we want to build in them? And really, it's about their character. As we try to help them reach that goal, if they don't have the character to get there, they'll never reach the goal. And so we started thinking about things that we wanted to instill in our kids. We, we kind of call this a checklist. And we're going to show you mine. This is my family, Sarah and I. It's the Hutchison family checklist here. Uh, you are going to have your own checklist. There will be some things that you'll go, man, th this is important. I think they'll get it up here. You guys going to get it up? There it is. So, so here's our, our family checklist. These are things that we are chasing after, things that we want to instill, get in our kids' lives. And I just want to highlight a couple of them. And I want to say this, too, for us, we had some of these that we identified. And then, honestly, over the course of just being parents, there's some of these that just kind of rose up. And we just went, yeah, that's it. We want to teach them that. But the first one is this. We want to teach our kids to have grit. Now, that's so important for Sarah and I. When we talk about having grit, what we're talking about is being able to stick through it, make it for the long haul, persevere, learn to grind it out, learn to never give up, learn to do the hard things. That's what we're talking about. And so we came up with this phrase. I can't even tell you how we came up with it. I was trying to remember. But we came up with this phrase in our family. It's called get on the grit ship. Now, you need to say that very slowly if you say it in your family. One of my kids found that out quickly, you know? Uh, we have this saying, and Sarah and I started it, and anytime there was something hard that our kids were trying to press into, persevere through, we'd say, man, baby, you just got to get on the grit ship. We'd just tell them that, and after a while, it began to kind of take a nature of its own. And they started saying it to one another. One of the sisters would see another sister struggling and said, baby, you got to get on the grit ship. Come on. I'm like, man, that's when it's getting good. Now, I have four kids. Uh, I have all girls and then a little man that follows them. They're stacked up just like that. And uh, I want to tell you, in our home, I don't know about your home, but your 12 has been tough. We, we would identify your 12 as like, wow, you know? This is a year where things start falling apart. Good old middle school, you know? And I remember when our oldest daughter hit 12, God wanted us to really understand. And so uh, really what happened for Gracie is everything started to annoy her. I mean, if you looked at her, it annoyed her. If you breathed her air, it annoyed her. You know, if you borrowed something from her closet, it annoyed her. And you know what was really annoying? It was her 12-year-old entitled attitude. That's what was annoying to me. And I begin to think about this and go, how are we going to correct this? This is the opposite of grit. We're trying to develop grit, and she's turned off and won't persevere in anything. And then one day it dawned on me, man, my daughter has a suite set up in our home. And she had the downstairs in our home, had this huge room, this huge bathroom. No one was down there. It was just her. And one day I'm kind of thinking this through, and I'm going, man, my daughter's got more real estate in my house than me. Something is wrong here. I'm kind of slow, you know? And so finally, here's what we decided. Man, we're going to put her sisters in her room. They're going to share a room. They're going to share a bathroom. We're going to do this together. I want to tell you, she hated it. They hated it. But we were in it for the long haul. We knew in the short term it would be misery. 
but we were in for the long haul. We knew that we had the purpose of developing grit in Gracie's life. We knew it wasn't good for her to be isolated. We knew that she needed to learn to share. We knew that she needed to learn to work through conflict. And so we just said, baby, you're just, here we go. We're going to, like, you guys got this tight course. Enjoy. And yes, it would have been easier to not have done that. But that one thing that we did, it was huge. It changed her attitude over time. She had to learn how to do those things. You know, sometimes I, I think we just as parents go, well, it's just a phase. You know, they'll get over it. It'll get better. Let's just, let's just not worry about it. I want to tell you, it's one thing to watch a 12-year-old who's entitled. It's a whole other thing to watch a 20-year-old who's entitled. As parents, once again, we've got to keep our eye on the goal. And when we start thinking about this, we'll make hard decisions to get them where we want them to be. The next one is this. We want our kids to think critically. And I think this is so important in our day and age. You know, and so we started thinking about how can we get there? How can we raise critical thinkers? And one of the things that Sarah and I decided is we just decided, you know what? There's no question that's a random, weird question. There's no question that's off limits. And we went to our kids and said, man, we're willing to talk about anything. And I want to tell you, uh, when I say anything with three girls, I mean anything, you know? And they begin to start to ask questions, and as they grew, it got better and better. And now, you know, for my 20-year-old, my 17-year-old, my 15-year-old daughters, as we sit at the table, we talk about all kinds of things. We talk about racism. We talk about sex. We talk about gender identity. We talk about the legalization of marijuana. We talk about feminism. We'll talk about the abortion law that was just passed in Alabama. And we're talking about all kinds of stuff, and they're asking questions. And my little dude who's nine, he's taking this in too, sometimes too much. And the other day, we were driving somewhere, and one of his sisters go, you know, I just don't know what's wrong with me. And he said, well, I do. It's cramps. It's <laughs> like, bro, how... Girls, you've got to stop talking about that, you know? <laughs> He's dialed in, you know? He knows. And, and there are times, honestly, I've kind of went, you know, why did I ever agree to this, you know? The random questions, the crazy questions, all that stuff. But we had to work through a lot of that to get to the good stuff. And I want you to hear this. I wanted my kids to learn to think critically, to ask any question that was on their mind because I wanted them to know that God's word is timeless. I want you to look at Proverbs chapter three with me. Here's what it says. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Man, you want to talk about a verse to help your kids hang on to? And when you teach them this, I want to let you know wisdom is the greatest pursuit you'll ever have. God's wisdom and his word will change your life. It's worth more than anything you could value in this world. And here you have Solomon who had riches and he had wisdom. And at the end of the day, he said, man, go with wisdom every single time. Well, why did Solomon say that? Well, we just need to keep reading. 
he said, because of this. Long life is in her right hand, in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. Don't you want that for your kids? Don't you want them to have wisdom so they can enjoy a long life, so that their paths can be straight, so that they can have peace? And this is why we do these type of things. I want want to tell you, I think your list is going to look different than mine and Sarah's. But I think it's a list that you need to start making. And I want to encourage you to do the work because here's the truth. Some of this you're already doing. You've already figured out. You just need to write it down and keep identifying it and keep helping your kids know what you're driving towards. And whether you be a parent, a grandparent, or an aunt and uncle, man, I think that is it. We have to help our kids understand what's important. You know, just this last week, Sarah and I were in Springfield, Missouri. We were traveling to one of our daughter's soccer tournaments. And we stayed with a friend. And uh, as we were staying with this friend, I began to know this saying. You know, I saw it in the garden, first of all, and then I saw it in one room in his house and then in another room in his house. And it began to kind of dawn on me. And this is the goal for this family. I thought, how cool to have a goal that you just got up in front of your kids, your family, all the time. And here it was, this is what it said. Go deeper, surrender, finish strong. I thought, man, it doesn't matter what age your kid is, even for me, as a parent, that speaks. I mean, can we teach our kids to go deeper? To go deeper in God's word, to go deeper in that personal relationship with him. Can we teach our kids to surrender, that they'll be willing to surrender their life so Jesus can lead and allow them to understand that he has a plan for them? And can we teach our kids to finish strong? Here's the truth. We have such an incredible opportunity. We need to make sure that we are expending our great energy in influencing the next generation so that they can continue to lead and be the people that God has designed and created them to be. Being a parent, a grandparent, an uncle or an aunt, it is a great privilege. And wherever you're at in the race, I want to encourage you to keep pursuing it as strongly as you can. I want to ask everyone to bow your head and close your eyes. I want to give us a chance to reflect here. And this is what I want us to reflect on. I want to think about how clear we are and purposeful right now. Right now in our journey as a parent, grandparent, an uncle or an aunt. Are we driving with purpose or are we just trying to help them survive and move on to the next stage? And I want to tell you, I've done both in my parent race. But if you today, you would say, man, I need to dig back in. I need to get more intentional. I need to think about this more. Then I want you to just raise your hand as a commitment today to say, yes, I'm digging back in. I want to continue to lead my kids, my grandkids, whatever influence you would have. I want you to raise your hand right now and make a commitment to do that. Say, that's me. I'm willing. 
I want to be a part of that. Praise God, hands up all over the room. I'm grateful for you. You can put your hands down. So good to know that we have a group of people, that we are a church that is willing to allow God to use us. What a privilege it is. I also want to make sure that we get this right today as well. Now, I want to tell you, if you are a parent, grandparent, if you have any type of influence in any kid's life, and Jesus Christ is not your Lord and Savior, if you're not seeking his kingdom and his righteousness, then I want to tell you, you're running a race with a handicap. And I want you to run the race in the best way that you can. And the best way you can is with Jesus Christ. And so today, if you need to accept Jesus Christ, if you need to surrender to him to be your Lord and Savior, I want you to do that today. I want you to be willing to say, I need Christ with me so that I can be the very best that I can be to pass it on to this next generation. So if that's you, I want you just to pray this prayer, just in the stillness of your heart. Just follow me. Father, I thank you for bringing me here today so that I could hear this message, so that you could help me understand once again that I've been trying to do all this on my own. And Lord, the truth is, I'm missing the mark. So Jesus, I just want to surrender. and I want to ask you to forgive me for trying to do it on my own for the sin that I have in my life so that I can be right before you and you can give me everything that I need to help my children, my grandchildren, my nephews, my nieces be the very best that they can be. Jesus, I want to have a life with you. You know, with everybody's head still bowed and eyes still closed at all of our campuses, if you made that decision to accept Christ, I want you just to raise your hand just as a sign of that. Say, that's me. I want Jesus to be in my life so that I can run this race well. It counts. It matters. Raise your hand as a sign of declaration. Today you've decided that Jesus is going to help you run your race. Praise God. So grateful for your willingness to be committed and to be willing to allow Jesus to make you the person that he created you to be. So Father, we come and we thank you for the privilege of being able to talk about things that are important. And Lord, I pray that as we go back into our homes, as we get back with these kids that you've given us to allow us to have influence in their lives, I pray that we would lead well. I pray we would lead strong. And Lord, I pray ultimately it be for your glory. In Jesus' name.